Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Hot Rod Bob, along with Randy Cardoon and Troy Ladd from Hollywood Hot Rods. We're at the Grand National Roadster Show in the United Pacific booth. It is another great day of auto show action, and you've got gas. The great American auto scene, along with talking about cars, right here today. Troy Ladd, premier hot rod builder here in the San Fernando Valley, California, located in Burbank. Burbank it's yeah. Hollywood Hot Rods. Yeah, Hollywood. I mean, Burbank is the real Hollywood, right? Like, yeah. that's where all the studios are. That is Hollywood. Beautiful Burbank. Yeah, Burbank. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've been building hot rods, and you've been building some exciting hot rods since you started. I mean, as soon as you got on the map with Hollywood Hot Rods, you were recognized. Yeah, I, I really got fortunate with that. Well, I mean, I, I'm kind of the classic uh, live in the American dream, take a hobby, turn it into a business. Bad life choice, typically. You know, when you have a real, have a, I had a real job with a paycheck. Like, oh, I'm just going to scratch that and go ahead and like build cars, my passion for a living. Yeah. But it worked out. So, I, you know, I've been doing that since I was 16. But as a business, um, that was 2002. And again, I was very fortunate to like pretty quickly off the bat get uh, media ex ex attention and some exposure. We did the uh, the Rides television show, I think my first year uh, after opening Hollywood Hot Rods. Mm -hmm. And you know, and then something like, like, like that, it's like, oh, okay, so you got a TV show, whatever, can you really build cars? But then, like, as you know, then we followed up with another show car that we win. Then we did America's Most Beautiful Roadster. Then we, you know, just kept kind of building on what we started. And again, it's been a pretty crazy, pretty crazy ride, but I couldn't be happier than, you know, well, I couldn't be happier because I get to actually make a living doing my passion. And how many people get to say that? Let's go back to where the start of the passion happened. Where was, what first got your attention as far as automobiles are concerned? And what was your first car? So that's kind of an interesting story because I don't come from, I'm a little bit different than a lot of guys here because I don't really come from a family background uh, of any of this. How, how it worked out for me is uh, at 16, I was handed down from my grandfather to my father a 66 Mustang. That was my first car. I didn't even know what a Mustang was. I didn't even know it was cool or not. It was just something that I needed to get to school and work. So I, I grew up fairly poor, and I, in that manner, if you have something, a tool, like a car, to live your day-to-day -day life and try to survive, when it breaks and you don't have any money, what do you do? You learn how to fix it. Absolutely. So that was kind of my introduction into this. And then from there, I realized, hey, a 66 Mustang is kind of cool. And then I started, well, I don't know where it happens, but um, all, you guys have it. At some point, you catch the sickness. Yeah. You, know, you, you get the obsession. And once you catch it, you never shake it. So um, with that car, uh, now I was still, again, high school age, I got into uh, street racing. And you know, drag racing, and then it's not—it's well, it's kind of like what—it's not like what's on TV, but it's—it's—it was similar where it was organized, out of the way, in a farm, you know, somewhere out in the valley. So it's not like you're doing stuff actually on the street. Um, but so my whole life was okay: save up money, work on the car all week, then Sunday night we go out and race. So that's kind of how that happened. Uh, and then in that process, being exposed to cars like going to like Bob's Big Boy and cruise nights and things like that, I saw hot rods. And I didn't know what they were. I just thought they were cool. So my second car was a 36 five-window coupe. And uh, I bought it for 1900 bucks. And I'm not going to tell you the year because <laughs> that might date me. Um, but uh, I, I just learned how to build that from the ground up because I didn't know any better. So that's kind of the evolution from there again. Never, never lost it. Could never shake it. Was there somebody who motivated you though to get into that 
frame? Was it an auto shop teacher? Was it nope. somebody else? Nope. Um, the, 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 I think that the, the most inspiration, inspirational person in this process would have been my grandfather. Because uh, my grandfather was old school. Um, he worked for Hughes Aircraft. He's an engineer. He built, um, uh, designed like um, missile systems and sonar systems and just the ultimate briefcase pocket protector, you know, <laughs> World War II. He was a World War II veteran. Uh, he was a pilot in World War II. So that, uh, that mentality of, of that age group was you don't pay someone. You don't, you don't pay a mechanic. You have a problem. You learn how to do it. Like even growing up, if there was a plumbing problem, he and I, he'd make me crawl into the house and we'd fix it ourselves. There was that, that was just that mentality where you do everything yourself. So he was the one that said, well, what's wrong with your car? I don't know. He's like, well, you're going to have to figure it out. And he would help me. So together, we would, uh, he would kind of point me in the right direction on how to do it. Sadly, much to a little bit of his disappointment, I never shook it. <laughs> because for him, it was just... Uh, out necessity. of necessity, yeah. out of necessity. For me, I kind of got sucked in. Right, so, when you started your shop, you surrounded yourself with craftsmen. I yeah. remember Frenchie doing the, yeah. the, the lead yeah. work on the cars and the, the chassis builders that you had, the guys who were working on it. You had the concept, you oversaw what was going on, but you surrounded yourself with the guys that could actually do it. Right, so my idea behind, behind that, so uh, I've again coming from my grandfather and all that. I did. I know how to do everything. I can build an entire car, including painting myself. I've I've done it as a hobby. But then when it's time to turn it into a business, you got to think think bigger. So that was the idea. Is when I when I try to take my hobby and my passion and then transfer into a business. Okay, how do you do that? I have a degree in business. So I went to, I sent myself through college. I did all the right stuff. I was a project manager in the development industry. So I built hospitals before I quit to do cars. So I thought, um, you need a name, you need marketing. I wanted to come into this industry with a little bit of a presence if I could. And that's why I created Hollywood Hot Rods and the name. And part of that is I'm not going to come in like Troy Ladd, greatest hot rod builder ever shot. You know, or Troy Ladd's hot rods. I thought Hollywood hot rods make, uh, uh, you know, again, more of a, not only use the word corporate, but more of a presence. And in that vein, what's the best thing that you can do? Hire people that are better than you. You know, build a team. If you have the best metal guy, the best, you know, uh, wiring guy, you put them all together, there's no way a single guy can ever beat that. So that was the idea, kind of the team concept, and that's kind of how that came to be. And you put some amazing cars, not only the AMBR winners, but you guys took the box of a model car oh, yeah. and made it into a real car, the real creation. The, what was it? The uh, Black Widow. Black Widow, yeah. So yeah, I mean, if any, um, I would encourage anyone to Google it, you know, look yeah. it up, uh, the Black Widow. So that was, I I believe, I don't have my, st my statistics correct, so don't look me up and then <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. But it was one of the highest... Uh, uh, the highest sold model cars in the, I believe it was early 60s, mm -hmm. um, for Monogram. And so that was one of their most famous model cars. And the interesting thing about that car, it was not based on a real car. Much of those models were based on real cars or race cars or show cars. This was um, a, a gentleman by the name of Roger Harney. Um, he was the designer for Monogram. Might have been Ravel at the time, but Monogram Ravel. Right. He took what he, at, from car shows, pieces of things that he saw, 
and just designed this car for them to market and sell. And it was a model, and it was really, you know, it was one of their high, most popular models. So then, fast forward till this was probably 2008 or nine. Um, one of our a, a customer comes to us again. Customers are key to this too. I'm only as good as like people will, are willing to pay me <laughs> to do. So, uh, not my idea. Customer comes in and said, "This is the model I built as a kid. It's the greatest." Thing in the world that I remember as a child that got me into cars. What if we turn it into a real car? So we backwards engineered a scale model and recreate, not recreated, but created it into a one-to-one -one real car, which was cool. It was, and I remember uh, my son was the gopher for you, kind of yeah. in those days. And I remember him working, and I forget the other gentleman's name he was working with, but they were putting together the chassis and you doing the measurements on the model yeah. and having to make the curves in the, in the frame to match what the model was. Yep. So it was not, you know, a, a, well, let's get a TCI chassis here, we'll get a bell axle there. It was, here's the, here's the dimensions, let's make this fit and have the same curves as the model. And then you recreated the box and it was part of the yep. display. That, that was also the owner's idea. But yeah, yeah that, that, that was really neat because I remember doing a lot of that stuff where we would take the pieces of the model, it's a 125th scale, whatever the scale is, it's just math, multiply it out yeah. and then recreate yeah. it. I believe, I want to say, I might be mistaken, but I think your son was there the night because I made the frame myself. Yeah. And I remember shaping it. I remember drawing mm -hmm. it out on the floor. And I think he may have helped me. I yes, he did. I, because yep. I was there watching. Okay. I, I was there yeah. because I had come to pick him up. And he said, no, 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 we're working on this. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it, it was a kick. You, you really had an influence on my son. And uh, we got a funny story, too, about a car. Oh, yeah. That we start, that started building for my son. And it ended up staying at your shop. So, yeah. It was, yeah, tell us about okay. it. Okay, so it's a, it was a little Model A Roadster, and you guys bought it, you were going to build it, and then I guess you went a different direction or something. Yeah, he and decided I, he couldn't lock it, he couldn't drive it in the rain, he couldn't yeah. take it to school. So I, I bought it, right? Yeah. I, I bought it, and then, for again, you know how this goes, like, oh, I'm going to build that for me. I have lots of projects. Oh, I got all these parts. I'm going to build that for me. There's probably not enough years in, the, in my lifetime to build all the projects. <laughs> so I bought this and I had it in the back and it just sat in the back of the shop for many years. And then I sold it to another gentleman who wanted it built. And then he ended up not building it. So I sold it. He brought it back. And this was the weird thing. He said, um, he gave it to me, even though he paid for it. And he said, God told me to give this to you. So we called it God's Rock. And it sat back there again for many more years yeah. and um, then I started I collected a, um, a little Hemi for it I started to collect parts for it to build a car someday yeah. and then inevitably what happens sometimes is somebody comes in and they see parts of one of those things and they say uh, I'd like a car like that what can you do for me I'm like well I can sell you that one so sold it built it and just last year that car went off to its new owner Running and driving with a little, uh, a little, uh, gosh, I forget what year, 54 Hemi, baby Hemi, like a, a red, red Ram, red Ram a Hemi. Red Ram, yeah. Yep. Uh, five speed and just oh, very geez. traditional low. It's so cool. Oh. Again, yeah. when that happens, I want to keep yeah. them. I got to yeah. see the pictures when you, when you get a chance. So. so, you've been working on a lot of projects. The 32 Ford you first built in the TV show, that was right. an amazing car with a Hemi. And uh, you, you changed the body subtly. Oh, that was, yeah, that was my car. That was yeah. one of the cars that really put us kind of on the map because yes. we competed here at the Grand National Roadster Show for the America's Most Beautiful Roadster Award, and that was 2007. 
I believe, and with my own car. And that was kind of unheard of at the time because these were high dollar cars, high dollar builders, and I did an owner built, owner funded, yeah. owner, you know, everything car and can be for Amber. And that was pretty neat because they say, they, um, uh, like actually um, some like hot rod historians have mentioned me, which I'm like flattered, but at that time it was really the middle of the billet kind of two-tone yeah. paint craze. And I came in with a traditional car. But like, like as Bob mentioned, it wasn't, it was traditional in style, but we did all of the things of hand shaping or hand building a car that the spaceship looking cars at the time did. Like the Boyd cars and things that were totally hand built. So we took a 32 roaster, sections it, moved metal, moved wheel wells, moved the dimensions, moved the wheelbase. It still appeared as if it was a 50s style car, but in actuality, it was a pretty much full coach built car. Uh, had a 392 Hemi, because Hemis are cool. Yeah. I mean, um, and I had an original Hillborn from the drag racing days, because uh, Hemi's 57, 58, um, but we hid electronic injectors, hid a computer system so it looks like the old Hemis of, of the early days of drag racing, but it can operate like a streetcar. So those are all the neat innovations we did, but it really kept captured, I believe, that 50s era style. So that really kind of put my shop on the map. The car that you once had that you wish you could get back? My 36. Yep, 36 five window coupe, um, just because it was really my first hot rod. I mean, the Mustang would be great too because my grandpa gave it to my dad, which gave it to me, either of those, um, but I, I, I really like the 36. I mean, the, I don't know. The, the problem I have with that question <laughs> is for me, is like, there's apples and oranges. To people also, a similar question is what's your favorite car? Like, how do you answer that? Like, because a Mustang is not a Roadster. Right. And, a, you know, a Ferrari is not a Ford. I mean, there's, there's in, in, in our world, and drag cars are not road cars. And, like, there is so much cool stuff in this industry, in this world. It, it's hard. So, like, so I, would, I want both of them because one's a Mustang, one's a Hot Rod. Okay, so give me a car, maybe a couple. That is on the. I want that list. Oh gosh. <laughs> I've I've kind of accomplished those for the most part, but um, I have. Um, okay, here's. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want them to take my hot rod card away. So I don't want to get lose my hot rod card. But, um, but I've I'm been curious a little bit. I mean, this is gonna sound so bad. <laughs> I've been curious a little bit about exotics. I think I, I exotic cars. I think I might like to beat on a Ferrari or something a little bit. You know, because I've been doing a little bit of road racing. I have a, I have a full race prep uh, Mustang I, I track, and that's a fun car. And I've driven some other cars, and I'm like, I don't know if I would. Again, I don't know if they'd even let me in this building if I owned a Ferrari. You know, but there's there's a Ferrari. There, there is, away, yeah. but you got, but like again, for car guys, everybody, car guys, there is so much to respect about different genres and different types of cars. Um, but probably my next car for me, uh, Model A Coupe with a Hemi. I've got all the parts to do a, a Model A, a Hemi-powered Model A. I, um, so I've had 32s, I've had Roadster, Model A Roadsters, I have a 34 Chevy Coupe, um, and I have a Model A I want to build. So that'll be my, my next hot rod. Um, but I did just acquire a 
which is really, really cool. Uh, we, we call it the Doer Coupe. So I, I don't if you haven't seen this, it was on the cover of Hot Rod a while back. So I was able to acquire a 1932 Ford that was built in the 50s, that was stored away in 1961 and never seen the light of day until now. So it's literally a time capsule. So I own that, which is pretty cool, but I can't touch it. I gotta just drive it. So I drive that, it's fun, but. All right, now you, you talk about different cars. Uh -huh. You did one heck of an interesting Comet. The Comet, we call, yeah, the world's the world's most expensive Comet, or the world's <laughs> most modified Comet. Uh, so that was for uh, Davida, uh, who's my fiance, and her, she had a 63 Comet convertible that she bought at the um, the Great Labor Day Cruise in Costa Mesa, which has been a, a show going on for, gosh, 20, 25, a long time. A long time. So um, this is when we had first met, and she thought it, she liked it because it was cute, and it was a convertible, and it had fins. So she drove that to, to law school, and she drove that as her daily for many years. And again, it sat in the back of our shop for years as well, and we ended up pulling out of mothballs and just building like the craziest uh, 63 Comet that we could think of. So I can't think of any... 63 Comet that has been redone as a customer. So you no. have the, you, I think you have the market. I, I, and that's why we joke, like, world's most modified, world's most expensive, whatever, because there aren't that many. They only made 3,000 something of them to begin with. So we started with an S22 convertible. So if you want to see it, go on my website, hollywoodhotrods.com, and you can see the build of the Comet. But it's basically a, a pro touring mm -hmm. kind of retro, uh, resto mod custom. It's on bags, it's got you know 15 inch wheels in the or like wide wheels in the back. And the bottom line, she loves it. She loves it. It's beautiful. It's it's still elegant and cute. Um, at the time this was when the uh, the coyote Mustang, uh, the coyote engine for the Mustang had first came out and we got we ended up connecting with Ford and we had done the first coyote ever in a hot rod. So they also gave me another one for her car. So coyote um, overdrive, everything's computer control, computer fuel injection, air conditioning, power swing, stuff for a, that a, a girl, a lady would like, right. but it's fast. And again, big old tires in the back so it gets down and uh, it's neat. Talk a little bit about how using United Pacific's bodies and how that works as far as when you build those cars. Um, so for us, we are, are known, you know, we have res our respect tradition as our model. And everyone knows that we build traditional style cars. We do a lot of different cars, 60s, 50s, but we're really known for traditional style. And I emphasize style because I like the aesthetic of traditional cars, but we're still artists, so we move forward with creativity. So when we use a, a, you know, a body like the United Pacific body, we only work with steel. We are craftsmen, coach builders too. We don't do fiberglass. Um, we cut and weld. Steel and sometimes, I mean, the um, manufacturers like United Pacific or even Brook Road, guys like that, they understand that we usually buy their bodies and cut them up, <laughs> um, but not in a bad way. Like, we that is the, the basis. Like, how what's better than trying to find some, uh, you know, a 5-1, a 32 5-1 in a field somewhere, pay an exorbitant amount of, of money, fix the rust, fix the problems, then start your build, or go to United Pacific buy a brand new steel body and go and so that's why um, that's always this has really been a, a big part of us because uh, we can start right off with a steel body build an, an awesome car and just move along so that's interesting and, and, it, and you could use it you say for different things you could use it for the full body you could just take the parts off it and use certain parts in certain applications sure well I mean you, you, 
you, um, if we do end up like a customer does bring us an original car or something like that, then we have replacement panels and things to, to bring that car in line. Or we start with a fresh project, brand new body, shop the top, section, channel, whatever the, the, the design requires. So it's, it's pretty, uh, you know, the, the evolution of manufacturers like this have really been pivotal in the car building world. What kind of cars do you have here and what are some of the ones you're working on now for later? So today in our booth at the Roadster Show, we have uh, kind of a, a weird mix. Um, so we have a, a 32 uh, three-window coupe project that we just, we, don't, we didn't bring the body, it's just the chassis. And it is uh, hard to explain. It's, there's so much trick design items on it. It's the, the theme is, which if, if you can follow it, is a vintage, 30, a vintage 30s European sports car design in an American body. Uh, race car. Makes complete sense. So, <laughs> and when you see it, you'll see like, oh yeah, that's European. Oh, that's 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 <laughs> English. Um, so that that's our kind of our premier car. We were uh, pushing it, hoping to finish it for the show, but you, you can't you can't rush these things. Right. So we just brought the chance. Then we brought a '56 Plymouth two-door wagon, which is odd and unique. Well, let's, let's use the word unique. <laughs> yeah. And um, you'll see the design drawings where we pancaked the roof, chopped the roof taken out like the B and C pillars, done a hard top of the doors, did a sweeping a sweeping B pillar in place of the straight. Like the Nomad. Similar, but we don't want it to look like a Nomad. No, of course not. But, but no. yes. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. So that's a fun one because people say, oh, we know them for their traditional hot rods, but look at this, look at this big wagon. And then we also have a 40 Ford, which is, you know, that's just a beautiful Ford design that's always just stood on its own. Sure. Um, so we have a 44 in our booth with a, um, a, a Borla stack injected new Coyote engine backed by a, a computer controlled six speed out of a new Mustang. So it's uh, modern technology in a vintage package, which is fun. So those are the three that we have in our booth. So you're very progressive in what you're doing. You're not, you're, you're keeping the tradition alive but you're using modern technology to make them more drivable. Yeah, and we've always done that. And, you know, I've, 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 I've had um, discussions with people like, oh, so you're that traditional car builder. I said, I don't consider us a traditional car builder. We like traditional aesthetic. Right. Um, but yes, drivability and functionality are, are, are key components of building an overall, you know, amazing car. And every car we build, the, the, the theme or the design, the style is particular to that owner, to that design. So it's not just the same cookie cutter over and over. We love the design challenges that we that we do. I mean, we get ourselves into trouble because we go pretty deep and like, let's create our own brake system. Let's create our own suspension system. But for me, that's the fun. It's having those ideas and then solving the challenge of creating them. Very interesting. Well, we appreciate the time. Yes. Thank you so much for staying with us and uh, giving us a little insight into what you're doing and some of the cars here at the Grand National Roadster Show. And uh, Bob, I think you have some information there for us. I do. You know, United Pacific Car Parts has got some great deals for you right now, especially because of the Grand National Roadster Show. If you go to upcarparts.com, 20% off on select purchases. They've got things listed there. You enter GNRS20 as the discount code, and if you want a complete body, $2,000 off list price right now, right off the bat. You've got yourself fresh steel. You don't have to repair. You go right to build. All right. Something to keep in mind. Uh, again, uh, 
Hollywood Hot Rods. Troy from Hollywood Hot Rods has joined us here. And Bob, it's been quite a day. It quite has a weekend. Been a day. And thank you very much for coming in. Yep. You've always had an exciting shop, like you said. You, you keep the tradition alive, but you make people drive them too. We try, and just like I said, I always tell people we're just having fun with cars. <laughs> that's, no, that's, that's, that's great. And I got to get a picture of that roadster finished. Yeah, awesome. I really got to give my son a hard time about that. Yeah, awesome. yeah that'll be fun. <laughs> All right, guys. Until next time, uh, we appreciate you sticking with us. Check out any of our videos, and in case you missed anything, we're gonna rerun some of this on our Talking About Cars podcast uh, at radio.com, iTunes, uh, KNX1070.com, Alexa. You can listen to it on Alexa and more. So stick with us for that. Along with Bob and Troy, I'm Randy Cardoon, and we'll see you next time.